Simmons. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, where today we review the modern-day tragedy that was the Essendon v Doggies game on the weekend. Uh, my name is Grant Hill. With me is Scott McNeese. Sad. It is truly a very sad day. Um, tonight on the podcast, we'd like to say we're going to do another one of our uh, our reviews of the game. Um, I tell you what, we're going to be honest. There's going to be some... Um, some honest opinions uh, of where we're at uh, as a club, where we're at um, from a, a player point of view. Um, Scotty's got some great stats, and uh, yeah, hopefully we give you guys a bit of an insight into um, into where our minds are at with the club. And I think one of the themes of this podcast this week, Scotty, is not throwing baby out with bathwater. I think there's a lot of things that are starting to become, or elements of our game and the club that are starting to become. A little bit obvious, but I'm not throwing baby out with the bathwater. But today you're going to get an honest review from us. So, Scotty, what do you reckon? Thanks, everyone. Uh, you, as I've said on on Twitter, I'm going to be a little bit more honest. Actually, I'm always honest, but a little bit more less optimistic. I would say yeah. everyone knows I'm quite an optimistic person, and and that, that's always a, a part of me. So that will never change. That's just who I am. So no one can change each other's personalities. But we have to discuss, I guess, the last fortnight. And in some ways, you can discuss the last month um, of footy because if we're all being honest, we've probably played one quarter of footy um, from the start of the year. And there's a lot of elements to discuss. Um, And it's hard to know where to start. But I'm going to... Look, we're just going to have a look at certain aspects of the game. The obvious takeaway from the game is how much the Bulldogs dominated the ball and just pretty much played at will. So we're, we're talking 100 un, uncontested possessions. More than us, conceded 100 and, we conceded 140 uncontested more marks. They, it just, they had 100 more disposals, 23 marks inside 50. It was this score in no way is a reflection of, of how, how badly we were of being. how disappointing we were and you have to wonder how ill prepared we were for the game and that's that's one part i think i think it's okay as a fan to be honest about and none of us are coaches none of us have the experience of of what our coaches are so look we are talking from a fan point of view on what we see at the game and that's all we can do so i have no issue um, knowing that, yeah, we're all naive to really under, understand what's being discussed. Yeah. But if we have a game plan at the moment, I'm not quite sure what it is. Well, even if you can see it, like if you can kind of see what the game plan is, it. I think, as I sort of said before we started the podcast, I just think there's this level of rigidity in the game plan in that there's it doesn't seem to be working and then it doesn't seem to work throughout the entire game. And I think one of the things that is going to be important for us to talk about tonight is not just listing off every player and saying how bad they played, because there was very few that played well. Yes. Um, But I think Scotty made a good point that we were talking about before the podcast as well, in that I think there are contributing factors to why the players are sort of playing so well. You you mentioned it just before in that, uh, are these guys getting prepared? Like, have they been prepared throughout the off-season to do what they need to do? Because... 
they're looking at the moment like, how do you in game three, how do you put in that little effort? Well, it's an interesting point. Uh, how I view it, and, and this is just me, do I think we're not trying? Of course not. Of course we're going out. We wanted to win that game. Yeah, of course. Um, we wanted to win the free A game. And, and I think there is effort there. But it's how ill-disciplined we are on just some of the basics of the game. Um, and and I talked to Grant beforehand and I said, you know, it, the Bulldogs almost played us like checkers. And, and they just had guys consistently 15 metres apart, left or right, yeah. of, of our of our midfield going, running through and they just zigzag there's just how many 20 meter passes just left right left right while they're just moving forward and then they kick a goal and it's killing our defensive setup um we just don't have any discipline in defending the ground at all and, and that it can't keep happening direction. like we we keep saying you know all right we've gone through the saga and we've done this we we're we're waiting, you know. We'll, we'll be a little bit lenient, and 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 people who've heard this podcast are, are constantly telling. We're telling people, don't panic, don't panic. But somewhere there's got to be some light. Like uh. we've got to, we've got to start winning these games, and there has to be the games that we should win too. That's the thing, yeah. right? The games this is a game win. we should win. Absolutely, because yeah. you look at you, you look I at the dog side. They're tiny. They're, yeah. That red path or whoever that the the, the taller head was out. Boyd was out. They had. That's, Joey Danaher should have had, dominated. Well, they had five new kids playing, and Fremantle had four new rookies playing last week. Rookies, man, that's the thing. So like, it's, I, it's, I don't it's, get it. We, we, and and I understand Frio's top fifteen are very, very good. So yeah. we sort of discussed that, but we're not. We're actually our age demographic is not as young as it seems, especially this week. No. We had with the Myers in and a few other guys. Zarakis, Heppel, Myers. Yeah, we. we our, we had a quite a mature side. Every side's going to have two or three kids, and we had the McGrath and Parrish and Begley. Huh. But overall, we were actually quite a mature side, but we played with so, so much immaturity, I guess. And it just felt like... I, I have to wonder what's happening midweek when we're talking tactics. We spoke last week about Fremantle and said, well, what we're going to do as a club... And we discussed this last week. I said... Now that a team has set up that way and they've got men behind the ball, so you go, you acknowledge that and go, well, that's actually what a coach is going to do now. Yeah. Bulldogs had a very similar approach, and we didn't have an answer. Yeah. So why don't we have an answer? Why, what, what, what was discussed during the week? Like what? If I, they I'm do just, this, yeah. we're going to do this. Or yeah. if they tag Zachy Merritt out, we're going to do this. Or we're going to put him in a forward pocket yeah. to try and get him involved. Or if Joey D can't kick goals, we're going to chuck him in the ruck for a quarter. Or something along those lines. That's why I'd... I'd and again, guys, listeners and girls, uh, this is not Scott and I teeing off on the club. This absolutely is not us teeing off on the club. It's just a level of confusion at the moment, especially for me, in the rigidity of the game plan. Like, it's... It's almost like we've gone, okay, here's how we're going to win this game. We're going to do this, 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 and this. And when it, when the players don't execute on that, you don't go, okay, so plan B is we move yeah. Joey D into the ruck, we put Hooksy at full forward or something or send half forward, and then we make some changes and see if that works, and then we talk about why the game plan didn't work after we win. Yeah. But it just seems like Zach stays on the ball and gets tagged out of a game, 
Danaher stays at um, center half forward, full forward, and, and does nothing because the ball's never down there. So I just uh, this rigidity thing is is actually well. You, you get the feeling we're very easy to coach against because we have one set structure. Yeah, and and part of that is almost a bit kamikaze downhill footy, and and as spectacular as it can look with the type of players we have. Yeah, if you can coach around it, then the opposite happens where you look spectacularly bad. And and that's just what's happening. Coaches have worked us out, and we have to we have to address it as professionally as possible. Because even at the end of the Bulldogs game, and I don't know the time period, but obviously the the coaches said, "All right, we've had enough. We'll move Hooksy back. We'll go smaller up forward." And suddenly we're in the game, dangerous. Yeah. Um, and you have to ask, should it take it? Should it take that that much to? To when you know you're almost forced to make a move, do we do we have a look at our forward setup and and our forward setup is something I wanted to talk about because what is happening now is we've been other clubs have scouted us really well and they've identified our identified our three tools. So what is happening now is we're so predictable. They have an extra man back. They make and what we're doing. If you have a look at every centre clearance we're having. It is so obvious that the the game plan is, if you get a clearance, bomb the ball 50 metres because we've got three tools. Mm-hmm. The only problem is everyone on the planet knows that game plan and it's so horrifically predictable. Yeah. So they're, put, they're putting a spare man back, they're rebounding the ball, and we're, we're down on numbers. Yep. So we ha- they're the kind of things that just you look as a fan and you go, this is so frustrating. This is where a hooker has to go back yeah. because you go well we have to change things up you know we, we have a, a, a Merrick kicking five we have Laverde looking dangerous in the forward line last week we have Langford who can play forward really well change things around have different mobility different looks mm-hmm. different movements and have a, a if you have like like a Tigers or a few, if you if you have some smaller guys at least it's teaching your midfield eventually to lower your eyes. Yeah. So when you get the clearance, you know that's not the case. There's only one or two tools down there. I've got to look for options. And I want to force our midfield to have that opinion uh, of, of how to address centre clearances. Because at centre clearances, we're always almost levelling. Like, we, we only lost by three on, on the weekend. So it's not like it's a huge area. Mm-hmm. But it's when we get the clearance, it's how predictable we are. All we are is just a panic, kick the ball 50 meter team, and we don't have the setup currently to address that. Now, whether we go man on man, and, and I think we did that in the last quarter last week where Bulldogs put a spare man and we just kept on putting then our guys to match up on them. Yep. So that's at least if it's 8 on 8, 9 on 9. But that's that negative football. I don't yeah. think Wush is going to want to play that kind of negative football. But the bit to, to go on with what you were saying, Scotty, is that whenever we get that midfield center clearance or around the midfield and stuff we've got bar none in my opinion the best lead up marking forward in the comp right no one's stopping that bloke on a lead if he gets in front of you and you kick it up within cooey of him no one's going to get to him right so it's either he marks it or he drops it we're wasting joe danaher man we've got we've got a freak of the king we're we're almost i know people say he's well out of form and then there's still people saying to drop him but but I understand why he's out of form. You, you can't because every ball he gets kicked has been lobbed on his head. Now, if he was Jonathan Brown or um, 
somebody along those massive power forward lines that can outbody people and outmuscle people and take marks dropping on the top of their head, then great. Joey D is a lead up forward, man. He's a he's a Nick Rewalt. He's a running around taking marks forward. Why we continually yeah. kick it um, to the across the ground well, and in, in yeah, bad not, positions not for benefit, Joe? Yeah. And that's the thing. So when people say. Um, uh, drop Joey D. I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that no. whatsoever. The man can't get the ball in the midfield and kick it to himself. I mean, you just someone like um in Adelaide and some of the good teams in Hawthorne and stuff like that. They make their forwards look like geniuses yeah. because they put it lace out. They put it lace out in front of them and they've got the time to do it. So, mate, Joey would be looking. It's a bit like a, a defensive line behind his in front of a quarterback. The quarterback yeah. keeps getting hammered. It ain't the quarterback's fault. It's the defensive line, man. And if the center line can't get enough time and enough space to be able to hit Joey D and Jimmy Stewart and Kyle Hooker on a lead, then it ain't those three guys' fault. Yeah. It's really not. And I actually even agree, let's go small. Like, make the change. Let's go small. Well, you have to ask yourself, do we have a field set up that would easily win games in 2005, but it actually doesn't really adapt because we've got very, it's a very traditional setup, very, yeah, very yeah. traditional spine. Your tools back, your tools forward. Yep. Um, and that's but, great. But, the the tools up there can clunk, yeah. they can clunk marks. But like I said, if you've got a midfield streaming through that's dominant and and picking up, excuse me, picking up heaps of possessions and stuff and lowering your eyes, like yeah. you said, and spotting Joey D on a lead and putting it out to advantage, we get we're going to look incredible. Yeah. But when you bomb it on Joey D's head, man, he's got to run forward and then pedal backwards and any defender in the world can punch that ball exactly so look let's let's discuss the midfield because this is where I mean this is where for an on-field and I'll talk to coaching later for an on-field this is where it's all happening this yeah. is where this where, like let's all be honest and I'm sure you're going to shake all, all agree to this we're a bottom four midfield side and that's mm. there's, there's no doubt in my mind but it's it's so it's weird we've got enough names in there man like with enough games under their belt they're names but they're not doing the work and that's, that's, and that's just the being point. Yeah, yeah they're just so if you, you're looking at the numbers and we may even skip going through each player because it's what's the point in some ways but if you look at if you look at some of the numbers uh, our best mid is uh, Harakis but then, really, you got Heppel on twenty-one, McGrath twenty, Devin Smith's got, up there. But then you got yes, yeah, Smith twenty. But then you got Stringer sixteen, Myers sixteen. You got um, Parrish fourteen, Zach Merritt that's, that's, thirteen. It's not getting it done. Bagley had a role around the midfield thirteen. It's just not enough. It's just no, nowhere near and, enough. And let's talk especially about too, especially yeah. too when you look at um, the doggies. They they got guys oh, yeah. are 35 31 30 27 26 25 and that's yeah. the top 6 man like yeah. Matthew Suckling who's busted on one heart on one leg picked up 24 um possessions and Zach Merritt's better player than Matthew Suckling ever was and look the the other big concern was was Bell Chambers i mean there's no right he should be matching or getting beaten by Tim by Tim English by man. Tim English they, wow that's it, why I'm so confused, man. It doesn't make any sense. It's just... And Belly's been all right, so I'm not going to have him in this massive whack. No, 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 no. But he, he cannot let that happen. He That was a clear advantage for our uh-huh. for us. He should have manhandled that bloke. Yeah. Um, and he needed to have much more presence around the ground. Yeah. So um, I hope they put a little bit of a rocket in him, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, look, the midfield was just simply... I don't know what it, why... 
and every player's mentioned this after the game, but it's it's almost getting a little bit chalk talk is cheap. But they're saying, oh, we just didn't play defensive footy when the why? Like, is it how difficult is it? Because surely it is. It's just effort um, to play defensive footy, and and that's where you wonder: is this the year to develop Stringer if he's not fit? Like. Mm. Because really, what's, what's what's happening is Stringer's a liability. Now he played okay, but he played okay just sheer on offense. But everyone can run off him because he can't. But he can't chase. Yeah, if if there's a play, he's, four quarters, he's, he's anyway. too tight. And that's maybe that it's not an over massive knock on Jake. That's just his body's not built for that yet. But that's the things we're copying. Myers wasn't running two ways, um, and he had a he had his definitely his most disappointing game mm. uh, I've seen for a long time, and. People know, and I always debate this, but I actually see value in Myers, but even I can't say that he probably costed us four goals. So he his first half was well, he's gotta he's gotta address that because that was that was terrible. Um I mean do you I mean do you just put Stringer half forward and Goddard in the middle full time instead yeah. of Goddard as a roaming half back? I mean, do you start changing things up and have some actual proper mid strong bodies over the ball and that's what I'm saying I, I was thinking that along the lines of Jakey Stringer as a midfielder and Brendan Goddard down back and Devin Smith in the midfield and that sort of stuff now Devin Smith's been great he's, he's done really well for us right but I look at our club and especially Jake Stringer as, a, as an example I think we're looking at our club as being like a top four team so we can chuck Jakey Stringer in and we'll yes. we'll win games and he'll learn the craft and we won't have to rely on him, but he'll be in the midfield getting that experience and we'll still win games. Oh, I'm now, sorry. Yeah, now no, 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 no. Yeah, we, yeah. we need to go back to actually having a midfield that can win us some games and put Stringer down forward where he's comfy. And when everybody's performing well in the positions that they're, in adverted commas, supposed to be playing... Then we can start, mo- and we're winning games yeah. of footy. Then let's start moving um, Jakey Stringer up into the midfield and try and give him minutes. Because, mate, at the moment we need Stringer kicking goals, and we need um, yeah. midfields the midfield to lift completely. Because we haven't got a high performing club at the moment where you can make some strategic changes like move no, Jakey well, Stringer in. At the moment, I mean, at the moment, I I felt after the game, I just felt like. We need guys in the positions that they play best at, whether it's hooker, stringer, yep. all these guys. The got the positions where they they've they've won awards on. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I look. Yeah, I think we all get the feeling that's not going to happen. But um, yeah, with this just a lot of concerns. Um, I thought Fantasia was actually one of our best. I was going to say so positives. What what what's some positives? I mean, I think we <laughs> we all know that. The, the the lack of effort from the club was just. I'm sincerely hoping that was an anomaly. Uh, well, the problem is, it's been happening for many many years, and this is even before the saga. Um, so it's different coaching regimes. So it's not yeah. another one. But I think this is. Um, it was interesting, and and I know you're not a massive Twitter person, Grant, yeah. at all. So, so this game, you, you wouldn't even know this. This game struck a chord. And even Matthew Lloyd said, I hadn't seen Essendon fans with that much venom. Yeah. And for a long, long, long time. Yeah. And and what it what is the result is is a historical characterization of a club that on field we are so far apart from all the gains that we might get 
off-field from sponsorships, from all those things, which are all great and valuable. Yeah. But I think the common fan is saying, can we just focus on on-field and get the most professional setup that we possibly can? That's it. Bringing in coaches that and bringing in high-level development coaches. And, and this is one thing I really want to discuss. I know we're going to go to positives, but we'll go to that towards the end because I, I want to get, I want to discuss yeah. this part. Sure. So, is it is it as much as the Saad and Stringer and all that is a big coup? Is it not just as a bigger coup to say, "Hey, let's have a look at the development team that the Sydney Swans have, and let's buy them out, <laughs> like yeah, let, something let's poach idea. them, like yeah, let's um, because you know anyone who goes to Sydney gets developed to a damn a, good player to a very very good player, yeah. whether whether. They started whether they were talented or not, almost in some ways. Like Ted Richards was a nothing player, average, average player, t- turned into a brilliant player. Yeah, all Australia. They have a setup where you go into that system, you get developed, um, and you come out the other side, contributing a heck of a lot to that club. We don't have that system. We have Francis Langford, Laverde, Much, Ridley, um, guys like that, Clark. All just playing for you for winning games, and 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 I'm going to add Darcy Parish to that and Begley as well. Where where even with like a Darcy Parish, I know we're giving him a lot of games, but when the games aren't on during the week, how are we developing him? What is the plan? Why is his year in 2016 better than 17 and so far 18? So he's had his just his natural ability coming up for TAC. Yep. But why, why is he sort of stagnant? And yeah. this, and this is this is the culture that I want to ask the club on. Um, and I'm sure they get nice and defensive. But yeah. but I, it's just something I want to know. How? What is the plan on development? And I understand there's all these small niggles and injuries along the way. But overall, we have a whole tier of players of good draft picks that just seem to be stagnant. And where we needed this whole um, undercurrent of players that were meant to come through and put pressure on, and then, and I'm not, and I, I never know now if it's their fault. Like you and I obviously talk about dropping Langford on the weekend. Yeah. What is the point of it? Like I understand he had a poor game. He had a great game the poor end. But what is the point? If you're looking for big body mids. He is fit. He's a lot fitter than Stringer. That, and that's being honest. He's a lot fin- fitter than Stringer. He's probably going to have a better output in some ways as a midfielder. And look, Because Darcy he can Parrish. run both ways. Darcy Parrish, 14 possessions. Yeah. Now, if, if Carl Langford had 14 possessions, instantly dropped. Yeah. He would be instantly dropped because he got 14 possessions. Now, I appreciate, like you said, I love Darcy Parrish. One of my, one of my favorite players. Love him to death. And this is not a bad review on Darcy Parrish. But this is the parts that we're a bit confused about here uh, between Scott and I, is that Darcy Parrish, I, I wonder how many possessions he got last week, but 14 possessions for Kyle Langford and bang, he's gone. But Darcy stays in. Uh, what yeah. are we doing with and, Kyle Langford? And Darcy obviously has the natural demeanor that he is an effort guy. Like you do naturally yeah. see him putting in. So I can see why that pleases the coach. But, we, but we're but getting smashed in the midfield. So we we have to address it. And and look, if it means, no offence, if it means us finishing 10th this year 
and us developing a midfield that actually moves forward because we have unbelievable names around that midfield. Much. Clark. Yeah. Langford. No, Parrish. I'm sorry. I'm just talking about even the Danahar. So we have names that, if we had a good midfield, propels us so fast. So Because we've got the forward line. So, yeah. I mean, I, I watched the VFL um, and Frankston. So I watched the full game. And I watched that midfield so closely. Here's what I got out of it. Guelphie, great midfield smarts. I just watched him very closely, knew where the ball was going to be, had when he had the ball, thought through the thought through what was happening really well. Has a really good clear mind and a, and a and a sense of the game. I'm like, okay, I'm tempted to bring this kid in. I see Dylan Clark. He must have had I don't know the official stats, but he must have had at least 10 clearances where he was just under the ball and we were all running because his handball was coming yep. out from under a pack. And Langford has 30 possessions, one goal. Again. Um, and all credit to him. He comes, every time he gets dropped, he comes out. Yeah, and has 30. Just still still competes. Kicking the ball well. <laughs> so it's pretty clear our midfield just, one, it's either too small. But if it's not going to run both ways, it has to be a change. Oh. You have to find players that are going to do that and develop players to do that. If there's some names, and they might be big names, who are over 25, if they're not, if they if they haven't learned it by now, if they're not going to do it, then sometimes you have to be tough as a coach, and uh, say, actually, then you're not in the side. And I agree, man. I 100% agree. And I look at that and go, by chucking Jakey Stringer into the midfield now, it's almost like you're trying to plug a hole for a big-bodied mid, right? You go, okay, Jakey, put him in a big-bodied mid, but. He's not fit yet, right? And that's cool. He's not fit yet. So you're trying to make a guy just out of sheer freakish talent fill the role that you need him to fill. I would much, honest to God, I would much rather Jakey Stringer in the forward pocket or on a half forward flank and go, look, Jakey ain't fit yet. Let's get Jakey some confidence yeah. in his um, new Essendon jumper. Let's chuck him down in a forward pocket where he kicks bananas from the boundary line. Um, which will also help with the being at the feet of Danaher and that sort of stuff. Yep. And let's bring in Kobe Much. Let's bring in Dylan Clark and yeah, see exactly. what they can do in the midfield. If they get hammered, if they get smashed, then bring in Guelphie and give him a look, man. But bring in a dude yeah. that's designed to be but a you, midfielder. You can't bring them all in at once, but you do have to ever so, ever so, I guess, craftily is the word, um, integrate them into the team in some way yeah. where they have that experience and then they can sort of propel their own career and propel our side in some ways oh. because much is a very very good midfielder so there's there's names there do something oh. like um do something like i mean and uh, i don't mean this to be Josh Green it could be Josh Green it could be Waller it could be a number of Begley it could be a number of these people right but any one of those guys just put them back for for a week or two weeks and bring in Guelphie Bring in Clark, bring in Much, whichever one of those guys you want to do, and put Much. I think Much would be pretty close to the most likely to get a game. Put him in the midfield, and then mm. just just have the midfield with Much in there, and see what the kid can do. Or drop one of those guys and bring Langford in and leave the man there. Well, the point is though, if you're going to bring someone in, this is my theory anyway. Tell them they've got five games. That's right. Yeah. Tell them they got five games, so you don't, don't have to so worry. Don't make it, we'll see how you go, and if you get 15 possessions, we're going to dump you. Don't crush the kid. Say instantly, you've got five games, kid. 
just enjoy it. Mate, so it, relax, concentrate on who you've got this week, your opponent, and and we'll help develop you. This kind of strategy reminds me of back in the day at the Croydon Leisure Centre. <laughs> the Croydon Leisure Centre with the Screaming Jets basketball team when my fellow podcaster, Scott McNeese, had a licence. The man had a licence to shoot threes. Didn't matter if he missed the first one. Didn't matter if he missed the second one. I'd go and get the rebounds, but that's not the point. I said, <laughs> just keep shooting them, Tiger. And I swear, am I wrong, though? Just keep shooting them because you know you'll eventually get into a rhythm. And you're not thinking like, oh, I missed one. Oh, I missed two. Oh, I won't take three. I'll just, I'll just put it away. I wonder whether or not the likes of a Kobe Mitchell and Kyle Langford comes in and goes, I'm 14, one bad game away from being dropped. So he's nervous, he's, he's timid, he, I wonder whether or not he needs to do it. But I agree. Give one of those guys five games. Just say we're going to do it. Yeah. Five games, kid, and at the end of those five games, if you deserve a sixth, you'll get a sixth. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But that's... We'll go on to, I guess, the back line. Look, I actually thought... I'm not his massive fan, so... But I thought Mitch Brown did pretty well. He actually held his opponent to not goals naught. So if you can, <laughs> if they have no scoring that's shots and goal, eighty percent of your job done. That's eighty percent of your job done. So Hurley was okay. Um, I thought Sard actually that was his by far his worst game. Yeah, he was. Um, dare I say it, he was a bit soft over the ball. There was a couple of times where a hard ball had to be won and. He didn't go for it. I'm sure that's going to be pointed out by the coaching staff. I don't know that Adam's the hardest nut in the world, though. No, but it needed to be. It was a criti- some critical plays, yeah, and um, and it, that's what's got it. That's he's got to get better at that. And and he's and he's not really becoming a massive ball winner at the moment. He only got twelve on the on. But that, on the that's because we're chasing rear ends. Like we haven't got the ball. Like we yeah. And the, with the but, efficiency that yeah. the doggies went inside their fifty. The, yeah. should probably just sailed over Adam's head the majority of the time and went inside 50 because how many inside 50s did they get more than us? Uh, 23 marks inside inside 50, right? So the ball probably sailed over Adam's head at half forward and was being marked inside 50. Yeah. Yeah, they had 56 inside 50s altogether to us, yeah. 44. But um, And just, yeah, the way they brought it in didn't help our defense at all. No, um, because they weren't rushed. They weren't... They weren't doing what we have to do, and that is every time we get the ball, turn, take two steps, and blindly kick it into the forward line. They've got time to get handballs out, run out onto wings, look up, hit people. I I couldn't believe the amount of times that the dogs, medium to smalls, were taking marks inside 50. Yeah. We should eat that stuff when they're under pressure. I think we're all realising, too, that Marty Gleeson's a very good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could do with Marty right about now, just quietly. Yeah, he's a very important player. Um, interesting call that Day came out later. No, I found out later he was injured. So, okay. Um, so, Begley came in. Um, so, look, overall, we got smashed in everything. Um, forwards? Forwards. Look, there's no doubt Waller's well off his game. Yeah. He, he must be... Very, very close to being under a lot of pressure. To I would keep, agree, yep. To keep his spot. Um, I just don't know if Jackson Merritt's ever going to get that go. Um, and would, for him, it's probably sad. He had probably had three or four goal assists and kicked five goals. So he's he's had a fantastic weekend. But I've just never really felt Jackson Merritt's on the... Um, on on the, the long-term, on the long-term list. Yeah. 
and, and that's that might sound harsh, but I'm only going what I read because he just never is in the talk about getting elevated. But yeah, and that's but the thing. I mean, he, like he never played a game well enough to be elevated. Yeah, I will say that, and he's playing quite well actually overall. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting time for our club. Um, there's this, like I said, there's this, there's this big chasm between these amazing things that are happening externally to the club, all these esports and NBL and, and off the field, yeah, off, off the field, and it's in complete contrast to on field. Um, and we and we look, we had a chat to Xavier about th- that very question. We brought up that very question, yeah. and he he was quite animated that on field is has very high priority. Um, well, it's the, and it's I, the number I'm, one priority. And I'm sure as a CEO, he, he has. But have we just got the right setup there? Um, because, unfortunately, I'm not seeing evidence on the gr- on the ground yet of a system that's working. Um, players that understand almost what the opposition might do. Um, and this, this is the kind of thing is that we, we've been sitting here for the last 33 minutes um, just speculating right we're yeah. speculating we're not quite sure we is it that we're being prepared and we're kind of asking some fundamental questions that a, that a club should do for their players like we're saying things like are they properly prepared and are they fit enough and that sort of stuff but I think we're going down this track because we're not quite sure what's going on at the club at the minute because we look at that that performance on the weekend and go what was that like no, I don't well, even get it it's, it's frustrating when you when you have Monday morning and and all the commentaries on the Bulldogs and saying the Bulldogs after two losses just came out. They were just hungry. And you go, like... Why weren't we? we yeah. What part of last week were we not hungry to we weren't rectify that performance? Or something. And, like we weren't, we weren't yeah. playing a side that's incredibly strong with all of their players back that we were lucky to win. Yeah. We're playing an, an undermanned dogs that had just been hammered twice in a row who all yeah. in, who we had the play this is the thing you look at the players and you go Danaher should have dominated Hooker should have dominated they had nobody to cover those guys our midfield is not and this again we keep coming back to the I don't understand I don't understand why we get smashed I mean, yeah, that hard you would never in your life thought Zach Merrick could play a full game and have 13 possessions so, it's insane so uh, it, it's just so something a question, just, just a question for you dude does who are we playing next week Port if we if we beat <laughs> if we beat Port by three goals next week, are oh. we back on track? No, because because every cynic will say we'll lose Anzac Day against Collingwood. That is true. Week. That is probably true. We're on track if we win four in a row. It's it's not a case of because we do have that potential to pull those games where we look mm. spectacular. Adelaide, like Geelong in the in the preseason, we just we've just always like. In this podcast, we've constantly said what we want is professional side that week on week out turns out the same kind of performances, and that's what's happening. So our whole whole discussion that we had last year on us being an unprofessional side at times, it's still exactly where we're at. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think that's the frustration because we expect that to stop like we expect people to be professional understand the opponent understand what needs to take knowing knowing that the dogs run all day and they played exactly as predictable as ever they were typically the dogs there's nothing unusual about how the dogs played yeah 
we had no tactic to no stop No one had it. a freakish game or anything silly. Yeah. It just... Dalhouse, the other little midgety dude with the helmet, they just they just played... <laughs> for the tiny little dude, whatever his name is. Um, they played incredibly well. Like, they just they just were at the ball harder. And that's... I'll tell you what, mate. As a fan, that is hard to watch. Especially when... Yeah. They you get, want you, the ball you, you could see in the first five minutes they wanted it more than us. Oh, I hate that. And and it's nothing it. worse. Oh. Do you know what? I'm going to say this, and Easy. this is this is going to this is going to sound really bizarre. Look out, everybody! You ready? And I, I've tried to work out all day, am I way overreacting? And half of me says yes, and then half of me says no. Say it. So, I'm not sure if you saw this, but I, when I saw the replay, they strangely enough, Channel Seven decided to interview Heppel 30 seconds before the bounce of the game. So on he, the ground. On the ground. So he's walking towards the bounce. And oh, I don't like that. One, it's just it's completely inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but his answer actually, at the time, I went, oh, that's a strange answer. So they asked him, you know, what... I'm trying to remember too, so it's a paraphrase. No, that's cool. Uh, but it's not going to be word for word. No, it's not going to be word for word. But they're kind of, you know, what do you got to do? You know, what are the important things you've got set up for this game? Yeah. And he answered it like in a reactive defensive way. And it was just a small thing, but he said kind of like, well, what we're going to do is not panic, not react to what comes our way. And, and it was just kind of like, what? Like, and, and, and it's really small, but it just, I was just like, oh, that's an interesting mindset to you're already thinking about a reacting to the what bulldogs. The dogs are gonna what do. the dogs are going to do. And it's just small. But it was just an interesting. Yeah. It's just an interesting answer, and uh, and I'm probably reading way too too much into it. But I, I just found that uh, just part of me just found that a bit strange, and I just went, oh, that's and, and I knew it right when he said it. I went, oh, it's so they're kind of predicting the bulldogs are going to come out heavy, and we have to match what they're going to do. Why aren't the dog, yeah, why aren't we saying? I'm um, sure the dogs. Surely the dogs are thinking. Oh they, wow, they saw the Frio game. Yeah, they're going to come out heavy and angry, like. Yeah, why isn't that the case? Like, well, I was throughout the whole week. I was Scotty kept saying to me, like, so like, are we gonna win this? Scotty goes, three goals, five goals, we're gonna win it. We'll win it. Yeah, three goals, five goals, right? Because that's what everybody was saying. Honest to goodness, I went, oh, this is bogey for me because the dogs have been smashed twice, right? And they were premiership side two years ago, so. They're going yeah, to no, come out. They had 11 of those players only, though. True, but I just think under um, under the coach, what's his name? Um, yeah. I just think they're going to get revved up. And you've always got to worry about I, a team. I always knew that would happen. I just thought we would come out angry as well. And, yeah, then, and then talent on talent. We win. win. Yeah, yeah, it's it. We win. Talent on talent, we win. With that but kind we of didn't come out like that. No. And effort over talent won. Oh, see, I don't like it. And that's that's just the reality of I what happened. I don't like it. That's... It was a poor game, a poor showing from a from a big Victorian club. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and especially with that many, and that's the thing is that we, Sard Stringer Smith, we we've got Hooker back, we've got Hurley back, we've got Danaher, we got these names, man, that are keep on their day. Like you said, we, we can be the best team in the comp on our day, right? And put up a million points, and Joey D could kick four hundred and twenty three goals in a game, but our our bad is real bad. Yeah. And Rodney Ede made a great point. He, Rodney Ede on radio was asked, do you think Essendon's a good side? And he said, no, they're an average side. He said, and the reason they're an average side is because the gap between their good and bad is far too great. Yeah, there we go. And said, yeah. and a good side doesn't have that that bad a game consistently. Yeah. 
as that they, their worst game is good and then they have very good, you yeah. know, that kind of that kind of thinking. And I thought, oh, God, he's spot on. <laughs> like, I agree. And that's why I would like to see, and a bit from, to, to illustrate what you just said, is that I want to see an Essendon that comes out that is that has Kyle Langford with a license that gives Kobe Munch in the side or whatever it is that says, all right, guys, this is us. Unless there's a real serious matchup issue where we've got to drop Mitch Brown or bring in Paddy Ambrose or some for weird matchup reason, this is us. You are a midfielder. You're playing in the midfield. And eight, ten games from now, if our midfield is performing, Jakey String is kicking two and a half, three goals a game, every game, and we are now a consistently ruthless, good side who yeah. beats the bad teams, who beats the average teams, and on their day has the ability for someone like Jakey Stringer, someone like Saad, someone like Danaher, Hooker, Hurley, Heppold, Zyrakis, to take that next step up, to become yeah. in that elite class, then we start to beat the real serious teams. But until yeah. we put out a consistent brand of football that just can beat every the majority of the teams... Once we've got that, then we let the the elite players like Danaher do what an elite player like Danaher mm. does. But at the moment, we we just need to move everybody into their standard positions, in my opinion. And don't worry about trying to develop Stringer in the in the side as a midfielder. We haven't got we're not winning games of football no. to be able to develop a. Now you feel like we need to go back to base and say everyone's got a man. You try and win the ball more than they do. That's exactly right. Where do you play best at the moment, Jakey? Because yeah. we need to win some games, right? Yeah, yeah. We need to win games. And unfortunately, you look at it and you go, all right, Kale, we need to win games. And the second we start winning games in a big way, then you can start making strategic, little strategic changes. Maybe you move Jakey yeah. into the midfield and then maybe you keep hooky down, hooks are down back. Yeah. But at the moment, we, we, look, we look like we're a team that's winning every week and now we go oh well we can move Kale Hooker up forward and yeah. we can move Stringer up into the midfield and because the core of our side's winning games of footy yeah no 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 and and look just on another matter we really need our small forwards to really pick up their defensive game better I I in the first quarter I was so frustrated and I don't know if it's coming from the coach or from the player but we had Johannesson just on as much space as he ever would want. The man had a rope. It was huge. And, and I don't know why that's the case. Like, why would such a dangerous player... That's my argument, yeah. is that I think Wusher goes, I've got 18 players. I reckon my 18 players, every single one of them, are better than your 18 players. I'm not tagging you, tagging you Johannesson. I'm not tagging you, Caleb Daniel. I'm not tagging you, Mitch Wallace, or anything. I reckon my guy that's on you is better than you and you have to tag me I just think and it's rigid there's no oh Johannesson's killing somebody whoever he's playing on him we better move Connor McKenna over there or we're getting mm. smashed in our in our back line yeah. we've got to move an all Australian well, they, half like they teams have quickly worked out our game plan in many ways so a lot of our game plan um, is based on us rebounding from half back so we have a we have a clear system from half back that we like to launch yep. our attack Goddard, through Saad, Saad McKenna, yeah, McKenna. Goddard, yep, exactly. And teams have notified that they've gone straight away as soon as we picked up Zard. Saad has been heavily oh. paid attention to, and he can't get free. Yep, great opposition coaching. Exactly, one on one. We don't have that. No, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's green can have a license to just run around, but 
the problem is Johannesson's is a much more dangerous he, the Bulldogs have the same setup where their halfback is their engine as well and we are not, are not acknowledging their weapons that can carve up, 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 up us up thank you yes One and they're, they're just they're just things that you know just in games Confusing. I go this yeah. is the thing we're speculating dude and that's the that's the thing that I want um, the listeners to take out of this podcast is that we're seeing it. We're seeing it from a fan's point of view, and we acknowledge and that. And that's it. And we, we, but, from a fan's point of fan's point of view, we don't. From a fan's point of view, um, <laughs> from a fan's point of view, right? And we we're as confused as you guys. Trust me. But I think from from watching true to reading true to the red sash, Scotty's Facebook page. Um, people are angry. People are seriously <laughs> angry, man. I mean, I've, I saw five it's, or six different posts funny. about people dropping Joe Danaher now. Guys, I mean, let, let, let's let's yeah. woo Nelly a little and, bit. On and and look, regarding that play at the end, um, yeah, look, brain fade. It's just yeah. a brain fade. It, yeah, it's. I'm not too fussed about that one. And I think Hurdy actually had an interesting explanation. He he just said if he was coach, he would have gone up to um, Green and absolutely took, and not called for it. Yeah, he yeah. said, "You're you're the taking responsibility. You're the one who's called for it." Yeah, and he said, "For a guy that's twelve meters out." Uh. So we, that's, but that's the kind of I guess mental side of the game that we've been discussing a lot as fans through social media about the mental um, capacity that we have to think through scenarios, to think through tactics. Um, it just feels like it's a weak area. Um, I won't go too on, but. We all. That's just how I'm reading it. Okay. So let's. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of positives. Positives. Come on. There's got to be a positive. Um. Let's try and find a positive. Let's try. What what, what stats did we win? What stats did we win up the top? (laughs) Did we win? We won free kicks. Hooray! (laughs) So the umpiring wasn't biased. No, that was Um, cool. All right. So. So look, we we look. We didn't really. We just had a free kicks. We had a. We won the hitouts, but they were kind of useless. Two um, more contested possessions, but then you look. We had two more contested possessions, but then the, I see that we conceded, and this I've never seen this before ever in my life. We conceded a hundred and forty uncontested marks. That's work rate, man. That's, that's work just rate, yeah. work rate. That's just simple work rate. Wow. Mm, that's um. That's an indictment on a midfield. And a, I seriously well, and a hope Wusher yeah. gave him a slap for that so. because that's a real simple damning statistic. That shows work rate. Yeah, the, look, the, there's only very, very minor positives for a first game back. Fantasia, I yep, thought, I thought okay. was was really good. Um, Stringer had actually a little bit of a cameo. He got injured for a quarter and a half. Yeah. So, um, Mitch Brown, I thought at least beat his opponent. Um, there's besides that, there's Jimmy Stewart was down. Yeah, but still looked a little dangerous at least. But but look, we were down. We just McGrath tried a bit. Zara, I guess. Yeah. Tried a bit, um, but Hep's put in some effort. But Connor, but when he wasn't taking chunks out of people, was okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, and that's obviously interesting. Um, I actually found out about the Connor McKenna thing just before it got released. So actually, the journalist who who um, who sort of broke the story is actually um, Daniel Cherney, who I'm actually good friends with. So uh-huh. he sent me a private message and he said, "Don't tell anyone." I'm like, "Ah!" <laughs> but um, so so I had to honour that. Um, so that's why he didn't hear from me. But um, but yeah, it was. 
I looked at the vision today of it. If it happened, it happened in a split second. In a split second. Yeah. So I haven't seen the Channel Seven footage. They said they've got some footage of marks on the player, the Bulldogs player. So yeah, I'll be surprised. I'll but, be um, surprised. But oh, I don't. All right, so it was just yeah. It's it's not a good time to be an Essendon fan, mate. This week when it was going bad, it went real bad, and that's like the Joey D handball. Yeah. When the game's going bad, man, it's going real bad, and we just had a really bad game of football. All right. Having and, said that, that was the doggies. So now we've got Port coming up. Port. Um, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried. Port at home. It's a home game. So we'll both oh, be there. Oh, man. Um, interesting game. <laughs> like, Ollie Wines. Ollie Wines. Oh, uh, man. The yeah. midfield. I'm and that's right the thing, about man. Yeah. They've got big, powerful midfielders. And yeah. I, I won't lie. I'm, I'm very, very concerned. Yeah. And I was sitting there thinking, like, when we had this podcast for tonight, what, what am I going to say about next week's game? And you know what, um, listeners? <laughs> I'm going to seriously not say much. I'm really not. I, I This might be a shorter podcast for that very reason, but you've, you've, heard, us, you've yeah. heard us rant on for about the last... I think we just expect minutes. a better standard and we'll, and we'll see how we go. Because, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, go Bombers. I love this club to death. And I swear I would love to put that game down, or this week's game down, as a pure fluke. An anomaly that will never happen again and we're going to get the kind of effort that's required out of the boys unfortunately though I think we've seen that now from year on year on year uh... so, so it's, that's just being honest we've seen it we saw it with Brisbane last year we saw, we saw these games and it's it's been something that's very cultural at our club and um, and it's just got to it's got to change like it, we've got to grow up and, that, and that's if we why... want to be considered serious we've got to we've got to We've got to take things seriously. And that's the thing. To get taken seriously, you've got to beat the dogs by like five goals. Yeah. Not, not five. Maybe they're going to come out and they're going to be no, hard at goals. it. Five goals. But meaning they, they, they're going to come out and be hard at it because they're smashed and they're going to perform well. But that's the kind of thing where you realise that's going to happen. You yeah. weather the storm and you end up in the last quarter kicking away because you're much classier and you're much better with the ball and you end up winning by four goals. Yeah. But that's the part that I don't like is that we, we, we get... We lose those games that we should win, and I, I don't know whether or not they think because they look at the the team sheet and they see Heppel and names like Heppel and Zarakis and Hooker and Hurley and Bell Chambers and all of these great names that on their day can really do a lot of work. The the yeah. the, the, the best is excellent, but the uh, worst is no look, good. Look sooner or later, though, if it just keeps happening, the question is, are we overrating our players? Ah. Uh, now, that was the other question that you said that we should do, I think, and we'll probably do it on the podcast here. At what point in the year, we're at game three, right? At what point should we reassess or re-qualify where we think we're going to finish this year? Uh, because are we officially overrating our players? Do we? Are we a, I'm gonna a wait. Mate? I'm going to wait to about round eight or ten. Okay. That's personally me. Uh, I, I still think it's early in the year, and I, I know that sounds naive, but I still want to see. So we lose, we, we lose to Port Adelaide, just say, we lose to Port Adelaide by like three goals, right? We lose again, 18 points, 20 points, whatever it is, we lose again. We go back and, uh, and that's, that's not good, and then things start to worry. We win Anzac Day by four goals. What does that mean? It doesn't mean really 
I don't think it means anything, does it? Just it just means right? a game we should have won. And then you should the week after that you should win again if we're playing somebody like that's the that's the part where I'm confused because I want to, I yeah. want to go oh no it's Port they're over here we were a chance we're a real chance but and, we could get hammered. But you generally feel like we're we're probably a tenth placed team. Yeah. Oh, that, I agree. That, yeah. That's about the feels. Yeah. So it feels like each game can go either way. We'll and that's all... not where I was hoping the year was going to be, but that's just reality, and um, that's where we're at. And here's a, here's a question for the listeners too. You can get back to us via um, Scott's Facebook page or the Lunchtime Catchup um, at gmail uh, um, When was the last Essendon side that you can remember that you could confidently throughout the week go? Oh, we're playing the dogs. The dogs are coming off to hammering. Two thousand. That's it. When was the last time you could say, oh, we'll win that? We, we, we should win that and say it with a level of confidence. And, and, and we do it. Yeah, and then we end up yeah, doing it. Because you go, oh, well, there was the dogs. They got hammered. They're that's, no good. That's, that's not... Yeah, that's, that's 17, 18 years ago. Yeah. It, that's, that's, it. that's what you were saying before is that we it's a culture thing and it's been like that for 18 years. You go, oh, we should win it. And every pundit yeah. in the paper said, yeah, we should win it, we should win it, we should win it. And... We go out and do that awful looking thing. So it's that's frustrating because you I appreciate you can't just say, Oh, we're gonna win it and then every yeah. week we just win it. But there are certain games where as a club you should be able to go, Oh man, we've got enough players in that side and yeah. enough people back in the side that we should win. We should beat the doggies by two goals, we should beat them by four goals, five goals. But wow, we And the only thing that stopped us from getting if beaten G- by yeah. if ten G- goals. GWS play North Melbourne this week, who wins? There you go, right? You go, you'd be... You, you know who wins and you know who's going to win. That's exactly right. Yeah. I agree. And and the, and the only thing that stopped, I mean, we ended up losing by, what, 21 points. That could have been 51. Yeah. If they had a kick strike. Oh, yeah. It was the, the, the margin in both games, free yeah. and there. Could have been 10 goals. Yeah. We've, we've, thankfully, we've saved a lot of percentage, but... <laughs> but, uh, but this is the thing. We didn't save anything. Yeah. They just missed. They, like, they just missed, yeah. They just missed. So... Um, so positives, um, guys. I'd love to say we had a hell of a lot out of this game, but like I said, we promised you a uh, an honest review, and I think we've given you our honest opinion on uh, on what yeah, happened on the weekend. It's just nowhere you can really go. But the positive is that the Sixers have won fourteen straight. Philadelphia Sixers, go Benny Simmons, go Benny. Um, um, they're keep, they're keeping me alive yeah. regarding sports. Get on the Sixers, everybody. Get on the Sixers. Yeah. If you're um, an Essendon fan, get on the Sixers. You'll be a lot more happier. And Ben Simmons is an yeah. Essendon fan, so how how frustrated is he at the moment? Um, but yeah, get on the um, <laughs> get much. on the Sixers. <laughs> yeah, probably not much <laughs> when he's playing in the NBA as a yeah. number one draft pick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get out and support the boys this weekend for um, Port Adelaide because, mate, I'll, I'll you be can. In the game. Yep. Yep. So will I. And um, we uh, absolutely the boys need your support because. It's it's really obvious, but these are the exact times when the players will realise what level of of caca that they served up on the weekend, yep. and they will really need the Essendon Cauldron um, really um, loud and they're the um, the nineteenth man, so to speak, of, of us in the in the crowd. So really get out there and support the boys because yeah, fine, it was a bad performance. Everybody knows it, and I can assure you, the players know it, right? So get out there and support them against Port. And, mate, like you said, we'll do another review after the Port game and we'll see where we're at. <laughs> we'll see where we're at. If we get hammered again, then whoo, we're in trouble. But you never know, boys and girls, this is the thing with this club. GWS plays North. GWS wins that every day of the week. Essendon plays Port Adelaide. We could come out and win by five goals. 
We could. We could. We have the ability, but we're just gonna, they're just going to apply themselves professionally. Absolutely. So, Port Adelaide this week. Um, we'll wrap up the podcast now. We really appreciate um, all of the listeners. Um, get to, get back to us on the Lunchtime Catch-Up um, podcast at gmail.com. Get back to Scotty Virey's Twitter, Twitter and um, the True to the Red Sash Facebook page. Um, you can check it out. Check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud. Yep. Feel free to subscribe. So when you subscribe, you automatically get the uh, radio show sent to you. So yep. jump on there and also give us a review if you can. It helps us out a lot. Um, tell us that. Um, tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, Grant, don't like your voice. Go away. Go back to Vietnam. I like Scott. Something along those lines. I don't know. Um, but we really appreciate all. The, <laughs> really appreciate all the listeners. We're getting. Uh, which is a bit scary. We're getting uh, some really good consistent numbers out of this podcast across Sound, uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, we hope to get some more guests in the future, um, but uh, we're, we're, uh, we're seeing that you guys are liking these um, the reviews after the game, so um, we're absolutely happy to do them, and we'll keep going. Thanks, everyone. Go Bombers for this week, and talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.